Welcome to the first Temp Fans podcast. Temporary Fandom started life as a Facebook group where a steadily growing number of people would gather in order to listen to and talk about complete discographies. For days, weeks, and on rare occasions, sometimes even months, we'd listen exclusively to the work and evolution of a single artist. All of it, even the notoriously shitty records by some of our favourite performers. Five years after a small handful of friends decided it would be a good idea to listen to every single record by the fall, we're finally launching the Temp Fans Podcast. Whereas what came to be known as Immersions usually happened over several consecutive days, the podcast will allow you to take on artist discographies at your own pace. The thing is you don't have to be a fan. This isn't some kind of love-in where we all gush about records we think are wonderful, although that does sometimes happen. Instead, being a temporary fan means taking on the mantle of a devotee by listening somewhat obsessively in the hope that you might come to understand what you love about a record. Or, conversely, why some artists just leave you cold. Sometimes, partway through an immersion, you'll have an epiphany when you suddenly get what everyone has been banging on about. Other times, you'll be left frustrated that bands just don't give you that elusive thrill. But why? Damned if we know. We've listened to the complete discographies of over a hundred artists, and I still don't know why some pieces of music move me in ways that others never will. And yet we listen. Because for idiots like us, finding an old record to get excited about is every bit as captivating as hearing something completely new. Personally, I find it reassuring that despite all our efforts, we'll go to our graves without having heard all the great pieces of music out there. But it won't be for lack of trying. So join us as we attempt to heave the format that has worked so well as a rambling Facebook group into the world of podcasts. We'll try not to fuck it up, and we hope you'll enjoy it too. And, more importantly, discover some really great records. Yep, hopefully we won't fuck it up. Uh, Hey, I'm Ewan. And I'm Nick. And so this is us trying not to fuck it up with temporary fandoms um the podcast or playcast or pod list we're not quite sure what it's called yet um so nick what 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 is a temporary fandom okay so um basically what we do at temporary fandoms is uh, it's a facebook group where we uh, listen to complete discographies so you choose an artist we love or are interested in just and listen to every single studio album that they made only the studio, only the studio albums, like not like Usually, live albums or. There are, you know, the the rules are loose on that. It's sort of down to whoever's running it um, to decide. Because yeah, there are definitely artists where there are kind of live albums that seem important. But I guess the reason in general we don't do live albums because there are other bands where they all have like twenty live albums that you really don't need to listen to. Grateful Dead. Especially if <laughs> you've got thirty studio albums to get through. So if anybody suggests doing fish or something like that, because I think fish are one of those. I think it's, they've been mentioned, yeah. But I think, yeah. I think I they mean, have about a gazillion live albums. Right. Uh, okay, so you example, mean... Um, we did Talking Heads, that was a great emotion. And um, I think their second or third album that we did was, was a live album. That, that fit, it made sense in the kind of flow of the records we were doing. But a lot of other times, live albums... Okay. So you mentioned Talking Heads as one of the ones that's been done um, over the years. What can you give me examples of the range of artists? Absolutely, we've done everything from sort of David Bowie to the Bottle Surfers by Aretha Franklin and Stevie Wonder. Um, we've done. We, we also did Gay Bikers and Acid, which I, I, I somehow managed to win, come third in a vote to get done. Ha <laughs> ha, suckers! Um, 
Apart from okay. gay bikers and acid, what was your low light? <laughs> let's start with let's start with the low light, and then we'll finish on the high. Enjoyed gay bikers and acid, not as much as I would like you, to. You did describe them as a dog's dinner of a band, but that's fair enough. But but a lot of the bands I like are dog's dinners. It's a you know I'm kind of a dog's dinner guy. Um, let me think. Um, so once it didn't work so well for me, um, I was very disappointed that I didn't connect with XTC because they were an example of a band that I thought going in that the immersion would kind of crack them for me because I was convinced that they were just a band that a lot of people whose taste I kind of respect and generally agree with seem to love. So I thought, well, there must be something there. And I'm, ha I'm having a really stupid moment. And in my head, I'm now conflating XTC and 10CC. And I c which ones were I'm not in love? That's 10CC. Which ones it. were which ones were Dreadlock Holiday? That's also 10CC. Who were XTC? What did XTC um, do? Uh, making plans for Nigel. Making plans for Nigel. That's that was the third one I was about to ask, and then yeah. I thought, no, I'm not. I'm not having three strokes. Okay, so that was XTC. Didn't quite work. That band. And you know, it was it was a successful immersion in that you know the people who liked it liked it, but there were kind of you know you kind of often hoping for the breakthrough. Yeah. Who who didn't you finish? Ooh, I, I don't know if I want people to know. Yeah, yeah come on. Uh, <laughs> Okay, um, there is somewhere my interest waned very strongly. Um, and um, yeah, I, I didn't quite make it to the end of Madonna, I have to say. I, I may have dutifully played the records, but I think I was totally disengaged by I, the end of that. I didn't either. I got yeah. to a. But I'm glad we did it. 1990, I think. And yeah, then, yeah, me too. It was, it was nice. It was also, it gave me a week off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are no weeks off at Temporary Fandom June. Yeah, apparently so. Although sometimes there are. Um, Bob, when Bob Dylan comes back for the second part, there are some weeks off. Um, that out. And what was your what was what was apart from today's? Yeah. What were what what was your big highlight? What was the one you went? Whoa, hello. So one I really enjoyed was a uh, Kraftwerk. Um, that was a band that went from sort of being just the kind of. Um, respect as a kind of important band but not something i would listen to much to genuine love like I, by the end of that immersion like i really really like craft work um it helped that i saw them live around the same time as we did the immersion oh yeah that's but, not uh, but yeah they were, that was a that was a great one and uh also I mean, it, it must be a kraut rock thing because I, I really came to love can as well and again though i suspected i would bef beforehand but i'd never you know put in the time yeah and I guess that's what the emotions are, are, are kind of good for as well. There are just bands out there that you think, yeah, I think I like this band, but I haven't really, you know, I don't really know what records they made or when they made them. Yeah, and it's kind of sorting that stuff out. Makes you really good at pub quizzes. And hopefully you will stick around for that chance to improve your very obscure pop pub quiz knowledge. So we're going to shove this out in a couple of formats. Uh, depending where you found this might depend on what format you're currently listening to. We're going to have the normal podcast, standalone, single episode. Doesn't really come with any music, though. Rights, music rights. God, nightmare. And we're going to have the Spotify version, which is a playlist with curated songs in between the album introductions. Sort of like a, a follow-along curation. And we invite you to come over to the Facebook group at the end of all this and make your voice and your opinions known. All right. I caught up with Zoe, 
who was the curator for the first immersion and we'll be back right after this. So, hey Zoe. Hi, how's it going? Uh, fine, I mean obviously we have to mention that we recorded this during the global pandemic and everything's a little bit weird, but yeah, Fine. why don't we just mention it first and then never mention it done. again? Right, yeah, so global um, pandemic. So, just so we know, where are you calling from? Where did I catch you? Well, I'm calling from Hong Kong. I live here. I've lived here for a very long time, on and off. So, I first came here when I was very small. So, it's very familiar to me. Um, but I guess I'm originally from the UK. And that's also very familiar to me too. So yeah, it's not that interesting really. <laughs> and, and very quickly, um, who are the band? What's this immersion? Okay, so I'm really passionate about this band. They're called ESG. They are from New York. And they were originally made up of four sisters who basically taught themselves how to play. Um, so I guess with every band, um, sometimes there's an, an interesting story about when you first heard them. Sometimes it's just they were on the radio. Um, when did ESG uh, enter your sphere of knowledge or whatever? Well, I, I think it was about the early 2000s, which I think is quite late to come to ESG because they've been going since the late 70s or they started in the late 70s. So it's really quite a late discovery for me. But they were kind of trendy. Um, they had been sampled a lot, and I was going out with someone who listened to a lot of hip-hop, so I knew who they were, and I'd heard a few tracks of theirs. But when I decided to do an immersion, I was looking for a band where I thought there was something interesting there, but maybe I didn't know so much about them. I wanted to explore, and then I could do it with other people as well, so we could kind of explore their discography together. Uh, so you were talking about um, them being heavily sampled. Um, as far as I'm aware, it's mainly the track UFO. Um, so I've got three questions for you, really. Um, mm -hmm. Why? Uh, that, no, let's rephrase that. How sampled is it? How popular a track has it, has it been? Um, oh, my God. Um, it's really, it's been sampled loads. I can't remember, but obviously, if you go to who sampled, it's in the hundreds. It's like something like three or four hundred tracks that it's been sampled by. I can check if you really want the figure, but I mean, it's, it's ridiculous. It's, it's a lot. And why do you think, why do you think this track uh, particularly has lent itself to being sampled so much? And added on to that, uh, the final point would be, it's a bit of a weird track when you listen to it for it to have been so influential. Well, it is a weird track, and the thing is, is that it almost didn't get recorded. It only got recorded because there was some tape left over. Yeah, we're going back to the time where they used to record to tape, literally to tape. So there was tape left over, and um, the producer said, got anything else? And I think this was Renee Scroggins' kind of baby. She liked this weird guitar sound song that she was doing. I don't think the rest of the band liked it very much. They were like, oh, we don't do that one. But they did it anyway, just to use up the tape. And so that's how it got recorded. Now, as to how it became sampled so much, maybe it was it just happened to be, um, at, you know, it was at that time where sampling was just starting to take off, I guess. Not sampling. It was at that time where DJs were starting to use 
that kind of two turntables thing to yeah. move. And so do you, possibly, yeah, carry on, yeah. So do you think that it's one of those things that because it got sampled and was sampled quite a lot, therefore people wanted to sample it more? Exactly. It, it kind of, it, once somebody decides to take something and sample it and it becomes a thing, especially in hip hop, then other people will reference back to that. But it has got a really interesting sound. I mean, it's really kind of incongruous with the other stuff. So it's just a bit of a weird track. And obviously someone picked up on it. And I think especially if you speed up the track, it, it lends itself very nicely to a sort of hip hop uh, feel. Um, so you, um, talking about the different speeds thing, um, I have gone and listened to UFO and then there was UFO on either 45 RPM. Um, so there was the two different speeds and I listened to the two. And I will say that the slightly faster one was one that definitely I found more interesting. Um, but this uh -huh. is something I'm, this is something I'm coming in blind to. Uh, I've deliberately not listened to the whole uh, discography yet uh, because I missed the initial Facebook immersion. So I guess I want yeah. to ask you, what do you think my reactions are going to be based on um, how other people reacted and were you happy with how the initial Facebook immersion went? Well, I was really surprised that a lot of people hadn't heard of ESG and that was the biggest shock to me because I was relatively new to the group and I thought I was going into a group of people who knew everything. Like, honestly, I was a bit intimidated and I'm thinking they're going to go, all oh, right, yeah, ESG, I've been there, done that kind of thing. So it was a very pleasant surprise to have, I would say, 80% of the group going, oh, uh, who, ESG? So that was lovely because it was like, just, we were all discovering at the same time, but that was great. It is quite a weird immersion. I mean, it is quite a weird progression. There's some interesting stuff along the way, but they're just one of those bands that really are kind of doing their own thing. So I think you'll just have this feeling of like, hmm, I liked some of that and some of that, I don't know. They're, they're a bit like that. I think I'm looking forward to it purely because, as you said, it's, some, I mean, it's something I didn't know of before this. I had seen on the Facebook group lots of people going, oh, yeah, the ESG immersion was great. And I just kept thinking, who? I mean, as far as I was aware, they could have sounded like Shonen Knife or any band from anywhere in the world. I mean, I knew nothing. So yeah. basically, I, bet, I guess it's probably time to get started. So what we'll do is we'll play a quick sting and then we'll hand it over to you to introduce everything. Sound good? Sounds great. Can't wait. Awesome. See you in a bit. ESG were, initially, a band made up of four teenage sisters, plus a friend on congas, from the South Bronx in New York. They formed in the late 1970s, released their first record in 1981, and were still releasing material as recently as 2017. The current incarnation of ESG features the children of original members, and they're still touring. If you think you've never heard a scrap of ESG, you're probably wrong. If you've heard any of the following tracks, Ain't No Half-Stepping, Big Daddy Kane, Yes Sir, MF Doom featuring Raekwon, Return of the Mac, Mark Morrison, Night of Living Baseheads, Public Enemy, Let's Ride, Q-Tip, R.I.P., Prodigy, Take a Rest, Gangstar, Putting Shame in Your Game, Beastie Boys, Fantasy, Miles Davis, Metal, Nine Inch Nails, Lesson 4, DJ Shadow, 100 Miles and Running, NWA, 
New Jack Hustler, Ice-T, Cutting Rhythms, Tone Loke, Story to Tell, Ja Rule, Made You Look, Apache Remix, Nas, The Bomb, Ice Cube, Versus, Berry, Get Away, It's the late 70s in New York, specifically the South Bronx, which has the dubious honour of being seen as the murder, rape, robbery, aggravated assault and arson capital of America throughout this decade and the next. The heart has been ripped out of this community by the Cross Bronx Expressway and buildings are constantly burning due to almost complete urban neglect and decay, fire insurance scams and a skewed compensation policy that actually manages to encourage arson by residents. In the midst of this, Ma Scroggins, the matriarch of a large family, wants to keep her four younger girls away from gang violence and early pregnancy. She's seen her older children get into trouble with crime and drugs, so when the younger ones express an interest in playing music, she sees it as a way to keep them occupied. All her savings go into buying them instruments. Yes, all the New York cliches. All of them, all at once. Let's go on. There's no money left for music lessons, so the Scroggins girls practice at home. They soak up the rhythms of the Bronx, the sounds from block parties where DJs concoct sets from old funk records, looping James Brown breaks to keep the crowd dancing, the clatter of Latin percussion being played in the park at night, the playground chants and disco hooks. They try to cover their favourite tunes by using their cheap percussion, guitar, drums and a bass, but they soon realise that to expedite things, it's easier to write their own songs. That way, no one knows if you mess up while playing them. When Ma Scroggins feels they're ready, she enters the Teenage Sisters into various local talent contests. The judge of one of these contests is Ed Bauman, the owner of 99 Records. Releases include Liquid Liquid, Glenn Branker, Bush Tetras, Maximum Joy. They don't win the contest, but Bauman takes them under his wing as a sort of unofficial manager and starts booking them at New York alternative clubs like Hurrah and the Mud Club, as well as disco venues like Danceteria and the legendary Paradise Garage. When a certain ratio play New York, they share the bill with ESG. Tony Wilson, the manager of Factory Records, asks the girls if they'd like to make a one-off record for him. Three days later, they're in the studio, recording with prolific producer Martin Hannett. Joy Division, New Order, Stone Roses, Happy Mondays, Magazine, Juriti Column, A Certain Ratio, OMD, Buzzcocks, U2, Need I Go On. ESG record two songs, You're No Good and Moody. They still have a few minutes of tape left, so Martin Hannett asks them if there's any more material, just to use up the reel. They decide on a song called UFO. The end result of this session is the first side of ESG's eponymous EP. The other side is three songs from a live set. Recording with Factory helps Ed Bauman form a partnership with the label. ESG release on Factory and subsequently 99 Records. They go on to release another EP called ESG Says Dance to the Beat of Moody in 1982. These tracks are on the next album, so only seek it out if you don't mind hearing it again. Also, some of these songs will pop up on later albums, but I think it's important to hear this EP first to get a feel for what it was that Ed Bauman and Tony Wilson saw in ESG. So, despite this being an entire podcast that encourages you and 
enables you to go and listen to stuff on Spotify. The first EP is not on Spotify. So probably want to pause right here, open up YouTube and find the first EP, have a listen and then come back.